If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn to John chapter 8. That's where we're going to be this morning, John chapter 8. And if you don't have a Bible, we would love to get you one. So you can uh, visit our Welcome Center right after service, and we'll put a Bible in your hands because we'd love for you to have one. Um, But the words for this message are going to be on the screen, so you'll be able to follow along there if you don't have a Bible Handy. As I mentioned earlier, we are in a series called Conversations with Jesus. And in this message series, we're going through the fourth book of the New Testament. So the Bible is divided into two parts, Old Testament and New Testament. The New Testament has uh, four books at the beginning, which we refer to as the Gospels. They are really the stories about Jesus, about his life, his ministry, his death, and his resurrection. And we're looking at the fourth gospel, the gospel written by a guy named John. And in in his gospel, John tells of these conversations that occur between Jesus and individual people, and sometimes Jesus and groups of people, where there's dialogue, there's questions, and there's answers, there's conversation that's occurring. And in fact, if you read the Gospel of John, you'll find that a significant portion of that Gospel revolves around these conversations. And so we're just thinking about the fact as we're kind of coming into the fall that if Jesus had a short amount of time that he really spent on this earth, only about 33 years total, and, and 30 of those he really spent in obscurity. He wasn't doing public ministry. He wasn't teaching. He wasn't healing. He was just kind of living here on this planet. And then for the last three years of his life, he was in public ministry, and he spent a lot of his time during his public ministry and conversation. And we just decided, this fall, it would be good for us to dig into some of these conversations and see what we could learn from them. And we've looked at three of them already. This morning, we're going to look at another one, a conversation that occurs between Jesus and a woman and a crowd of people around her. And the story is found in John chapter 8, and we're going to begin reading in verse 1. This is what it says. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down, and he taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
I want you to get this picture clearly in your mind of what's happening in this conversation. Jesus is back at the temple where he has been teaching and he's gone back there to teach some more and he finds his place, he sits down and he begins to teach the people. And while he's teaching, while he's giving his message, a group of religious leaders bring a woman in front of him and in front of the entire crowd, everyone who's assembled there in that temple and they put her in front of the crowd. This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. This woman has been found out. She's been living a life that is not in accordance with the law of Moses. And these religious leaders, they know the law really well. And they know that not only is she not supposed to be doing what she's done, but she should die for it. That's what the law prescribed, that, that a person caught in the act of adultery would be taken out and, and, and a crowd of people would literally execute this person for the sin that she had committed. This might seem harsh to us in our culture today, but it was clearly written in the law of Moses that this is what was supposed to happen. And these religious leaders were people who saw themselves, quite frankly, as kind of the morality police. They, they knew the law really well. They spent their time studying the law, the ins and outs, the details, every jot and tittle of the law. They knew it down to its finest point. And they believed that by enforcing the law, by getting everyone to comply with the law, punishing those who step outside of its boundaries and rewarding those who stay within it, that, that if, if they could get everyone to be inside of the confines of the law, that God would usher in this great renewal of the people of Israel. And so they believed that everything was riding on their ability to kind of know the guidelines and get everyone to live just the way they were supposed to. These people had been watching for people to step outside of the boundary and they found this woman committing an act of adultery and they knew what was supposed to happen to her. By the law, she's supposed to die. But on top of being the morality police, they actually were against Jesus. So not only were they trying to keep people in the confines of the law in this story, but they're also looking for ways that they could trap Jesus. They're looking for ways that they could have an accusation to level against him so that they could quote unquote get him. That really was their, their intention. And so they catch this woman. She's clearly outside of what God's law has required of her and they know it and they know what's supposed to happen to her. But now, not just judging and condemning and punishing her, that's not enough. They're going to now use her to try to trap Jesus. And so not only are they pointing an accusing finger at her, but they're actually willing to drag her in front of a crowd of people and place her right in front of the crowd, embarrassing her, shaming her, making her guilt known to everyone in an effort to use her for their purposes. 
And this is what we read in the story when we look at verse seven, that that they had brought her in front of him. They put her in front of the crowd according to verse three. And then in verse seven, they're they're demanding an answer. They wanna know now what Jesus is gonna say about this woman. Should we kill her, Jesus? And that's the question they're asking because they know that Jesus has talked about God's love and God's grace and God's compassion. And they're, they're wanting him to undercut his own teaching here. They're wanting Jesus to say, yes, we should abide by the law and we should take her out there and we should execute her. That's what they want Jesus to say. But they'd be just as happy if Jesus said, no, we don't need to abide by the law of Moses. Because if Jesus says that, well, now they've got something that they can accuse Jesus with. He's, He's blaspheming against the law. He's saying that the law doesn't matter and that we can do whatever we want. And so we can throw the law out. They don't really care which way Jesus answers this question because either way he answers the question, they're gonna get him. He's either undercutting his own message or he's throwing out the law. And, and Jesus is brilliant. I mean, I don't know if you guys understand this, but I mean, Jesus is brilliant. Like, have you ever been in a conversation and someone says something to you and then like an hour later, you think of what you should have said? You ever had that moment? And then you're like, oh, that would have been awesome. And then you like relive it in your mind and insert that phrase or that word. And it's like, that would have been so great if I'd have just said that. Jesus never has that moment. He always says exactly the right thing. He always does exactly the right thing. And I just, when I read about him, I mean, he's brilliant, which shouldn't surprise us because he's God, but, but he's human, fully God and fully human. And he says and does exactly the right thing in every situation. He's not just showing us what it means to be God. He's showing us what it means to be perfectly human. And in this moment, he doesn't answer their question. He doesn't respond at all. He doesn't say, oh, the law doesn't matter. Do whatever you want here. Or yes, we should take her out and kill her. He just simply gets down on the ground and he just starts writing. I want to know what he wrote. Like who, come on, John, fill us in, man. Like, Can you just tell us what he wrote in the dirt? We don't know. Scripture does not tell us what he wrote. I think he might've wrote hockey starts today. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It does start today though, preseason. Some scholars actually believe that Jesus started writing out the sins of the religious leaders. Again, we don't know what Jesus wrote. Scripture does not tell us. So anything is a guess. But some people actually believe that Jesus started writing out one by one sins that the religious leaders would have identified as their own sin. 
And they're demanding an answer, right? They've put this woman caught in the act of adultery right in front of this crowd. They've asked Jesus a very clear question and Jesus has refused to answer. And now he's writing in the dirt and they are demanding an answer. And Jesus stands up and says, all right, let the one without sin throw the first stone. And then he goes back to the ground and he starts writing again. And the Bible says that one by one, beginning with the oldest, they just walked away. They just realized that even though they were religious leaders, even though they studied the law in its detail, even though they were the morality police trying to get everyone to stay in the confines of God's law, even though all of that was true about them and they were very zealous about it, even though all of that is true, none of them could throw the first stone because of the standard that Jesus had just placed upon them. You see, they were trying to trap Jesus and then they found themselves trapped by this, this reality that Jesus puts in front of them. They came to judge and condemn and punish the woman and Jesus turns it back on them and says, just think about your own life. If you're without sin, you can pick up a stone and execute this woman. Go ahead. One by one, they just walk away until Jesus looks up from his writing and he sees the only person now in front of him is this woman. And he says to her, and by the way, this is the first time he addresses her in this conversation. Where are your accusers? Doesn't anyone condemn you? And she says, no one, Lord. And then Jesus says, then I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Now, let's just be really clear. The only one who could throw a stone is Jesus. He's the only one without sin. The only one who is actually suited to be the judge over this woman's life. And he decides, I'm not gonna condemn you. I'm gonna forgive you and I'm gonna send you on your way toward a life that is different and better. This is what Jesus does. He gives grace and he changes our lives to make us into the people he wants us to be. Now, we've got just a few minutes left and I wanna just, if I can, take this conversation and just draw out three implications for us. And if you're a note taker on the back of your bulletin there, there are some places where you can take some notes. And I wanna just kind of highlight three things that I think are important for us to see from this conversation. The first is radical acceptance. Radical acceptance. 
I think there are two contrasting images in this conversation. The first image is the one that we see in the religious leaders, those who have studied the law and they know the law inside and out and they're trying to to kind of police behavior and they want everybody to conform to the law. They want everybody to do what they're supposed to do. And they believe that if everybody will just do what they're supposed to do, God's going to restore Israel. He's going he's to bring back the people of God and put us in the center of the culture and we're going to be in charge again. That's really what they believe. They believed that if they could just get Israel to behave right. I'm not sure that they cared about the souls of the people of Israel. They just wanted Israel to behave right. And that if they just behaved right, God would work and move. And so this led them to be judgmental and legalistic. They were doing it from a good heart. They really wanted to see God work in Israel, but but they took their religion too far, so far that they stopped caring about the people. They just cared about the behavior of the people. And this led them to catch a woman in the act of adultery and and not think for a moment about her own soul. They weren't thinking about that at all. They were thinking two things. This lady has broken the law of God. We're gonna kill her now. But before we do, we're gonna use her for our purposes to try to trap Jesus. That's the first image of these religious people who, who in essence, made it their job to judge, condemn, and punish. And they were willing to guilt and shame and embarrass a woman for their own purposes. Compare that to the Son of God, who when the woman is brought before him in the middle of his teaching, he doesn't look at her and say, why did you do that? How come you broke the law of God? Don't you know better? In fact, I find it interesting that Jesus doesn't say anything to her. He just allows her to be in his presence as she is where she is. He doesn't draw attention to her. He doesn't add to her shame. He doesn't heap on the guilt and the condemnation. He doesn't jump on the bandwagon for her to be punished. He just simply allows her to be there in his presence. Why? Because Jesus is not like the religious leaders who are trying to judge and condemn and punish. Jesus instead offers radical acceptance because he sees the woman for who she is, a child of God created in the image of God, and he sees her as someone for whom he has a plan and a purpose. And before she can ever unlock that plan and that purpose, she has to be accepted by the God who created her and by the God who loves her. Some of you are here this morning, and when we read this story, you identify with the religious leaders. If you're honest about your life, you think to yourself, yeah, that's kind of me. I'm always trying to study God's law to know what's right and what's wrong and who's in and who's out, and I'm just trying to get everybody to play by the rules. I just want everybody to fit in the confines of what God desires for the world. And and you're really just trying to, to monitor behavior, but you've maybe gone too far. And in your religion, you've become legalistic 
and judgmental and condemning. And you've made it your mission to kind of point out faults and, and punish and, and, and throw those zingers on Facebook and, and, and really make sure people are put in their place. And if that's you today, I just want to invite you to be more like Jesus. Because I think that's a good goal for those of us who want to be religious. To just try to be more like Jesus. Jesus actually doesn't need you to judge and condemn and punish the world. He'll be the judge. And he's the only one worthy to be the judge. So just put that burden down. And just ask God to help you be more like Jesus so that when people come into your orbit, when they're in the sphere of your life and they're around you, that even if they don't live the way you want them to live or believe the way you want them to believe, that you can make space for them to be as they are, where they are in your presence. Without that burden of you having to feel like you got to judge and condemn and punish. No, just welcome them. Radical acceptance. Just like Jesus did in this passage. The second thing that I see in this conversation is this invitation to extend grace. Jesus is clearly going to extend grace. We've already read the whole story. So you know that at the end, he's going to say, I don't condemn you. But, but what Jesus is doing when he writes in the dirt, again, we don't know what he wrote in the dirt. We, we don't have any idea. But, but whatever he wrote and then what he said to the religious leaders, it, it made them put down their stones, Right? He was extending to them an invitation not to enforce the law, but to extend grace. He's saying, I know what the law says. Jesus knew the law. He wrote it. Because <laughs> he was God, remember? And God wrote the law, just in case you were not tracking with me there. He knew the law. He knew that the law prescribed she should be put to death. It's not, it's not a gray area. If you just read the law in your Bible, in the Old Testament, you will find it. It is written for a person who has been caught in the act of adultery. The law says they should just be killed. The law says that. Jesus knew the law. But Jesus doesn't enforce the law in this moment. Instead, he offers an invitation to extend grace. He says, if you are without sin, go ahead, throw the stone. And what he's asking them to do in that moment is to think about their own life. They're religious leaders, but every single one of them could find moments and places in their lives and in their journey where they didn't measure up to God's standard for their life. And you can too. Because Romans tells us that all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of God's glorious standard. Every single one of us are not capable of throwing a stone at this woman because we've all sinned. 
We've all been people who are in need of God's grace. And because we have freely received God's grace, I think what Jesus is inviting in this passage is that if we've received God's grace, we ought to be willing to give grace. He doesn't ask us to be judges and and people who condemn and people who punish. He doesn't ask us to be enforcers of the law. He asks us to be people who extend grace because we're people who have received grace. And I was thinking about this this week. I just, I realized that in my own life, in seasons where I have not been living in the grace of God, I am more judgmental of others. But when I am living fully in the grace of God and I'm aware of what God is doing in my life to change me and forgive me and give mercy to me where I deserve judgment, in that moment, I find myself free to extend grace to others to say, we're on the same journey. We all need the grace of God. Which brings me to the stones that you have. You should have gotten one when you came in, and if you didn't, you can get one on your way out. We're not going to worry about trying to get you one right now, because they're not for you to throw at me. So (laughs) some of you are disappointed now, but they're not for you to throw at me. I want you to take that stone and put it in your hand. And and the reason I want you to put it in your hand is because I want you for a moment to just put yourself in the place of those religious leaders. In the story, they're there. They've caught this woman. It's not a gray area. It's not, she was caught in the act. This is not, we're not sure if she did it. No, we know. And they're ready to enforce the law. And they've got their stones. But in this moment of interaction with Jesus, Jesus simply says, would you be willing to extend grace? If you've received grace, if you've, if you've been a sinner and you're now a religious leader, you've received grace. So if you're here and you haven't sinned and you've never had any need of grace in your life, go ahead and throw the stone. And the religious leaders in the story dropped their stones and walked away. Because they realized in that moment that they had been people who needed grace and received grace and they needed in this moment to extend grace. And all I'm asking you to do with those stones is to take them with you today and just put them in a place, maybe on your desk at work or maybe on your vanity or your dresser or your table at home so you'll see it every day. And when you see that stone, remind yourself of two things. One, you need grace. There's not a human being I've ever met who doesn't need grace. You need grace in your life. And let that stone be a stone of remembrance that grace is available from Jesus himself, that he doesn't condemn, he accepts and he extends grace. And the next time you're tempted to judge others and be the judge and the condemner and the punisher of sin, just look at that stone And be reminded of Jesus' words. If you're without sin, go ahead and throw. But in that moment, just see that stone and and extend grace. Be like 
Jesus. Now, if we stop the message here, we would be doing a disservice to what Jesus is trying to accomplish in this conversation. And, and some of you, I can, I can actually see it on your faces. You're, you're uncomfortable if we stop the message here because you're like, wait a minute. Jesus isn't just about acceptance and grace, is he? Doesn't he want us to live a certain way? Doesn't he call us to a higher standard? Doesn't he have plans and purposes and dreams and desires for our life? Isn't he asking us to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him? Don't we believe in holiness? I can see it on some of your faces. You're really uncomfortable right now. And I, I don't want you to go home uncomfortable. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry on with the rest of this message because Jesus offers acceptance and grace because he has a purpose. He doesn't just say, oh yeah, yeah, do whatever you want to do. I'm, I'm going to be here. I'll love you. I'll accept you. I'll welcome you. And, and you can just go do whatever you want to do because I don't actually care how you live your life. You will never find Jesus saying things like that. And if you think that Jesus says things like that, you need to hear this next part of the story. Because we need to be people of radical acceptance who allow people to just exist as they are, where they are, in our, in our presence. Just let them be with us as they are, where they are. We don't need to punish them. We don't need to condemn them. We don't need to judge them. We can just let them be there. And we can, in their life situation, extend grace. We don't need to pile on the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment. We don't need to bring them to trial and, and, and pass judgment and execute them. That's not our job. We need to accept and extend grace. But we do that because God has a purpose for every single person. And we see it in this story. Jesus says to the woman, where are your accusers? Doesn't anyone condemn you? And she says, no one, Lord. And he says to her, then neither do I. But here's the phrase that really matters. Go and sin no more. The reason Jesus offers acceptance and the reason he extends grace is because he wants to invite every single person to life change. This is the mission of Jesus. Jesus says, whatever's true about your life, when you come into relationship with me and you begin to live the way I want you to live, you're gonna become the person I have created you to be. You're gonna become everything I want you to be. And this is Jesus' plan. This is Jesus' purpose. This is his dream. It's his desire. It's his mission. It's, it's, it's what he died on the cross to make possible so that you and I could become everything he wants us to be. He doesn't just say acceptance and grace and then do whatever you want to do. He says acceptance and grace as a doorway to life change. This is God's plan for each and every one of us. And some of you are here this morning and you feel caught in your sin, just like this woman was. 
Maybe not the public shame and embarrassment that she felt because she was brought in front of a crowd and used by these religious leaders. They kind of exploited her situation to try to take advantage of Jesus. Maybe you don't feel that in your life, but you feel caught in your sin because you know that your life is not the life that God intends for you. You've made choices and decisions. You've gone down pathways and you, you don't know how to reel it back and get to a place where you're, where you're okay with God. And, and I wanna just tell you, if you're trying to do any of that in your own strength, you're never gonna get there. You don't get a fresh start by working for it. You get a fresh start by just receiving it from the God who is the God of fresh starts. This woman in this story was caught in her sin. She was guilty. And Jesus accepted her. He extended grace to her and he invited her to live a different life. And if you're caught in your sin today, if you're separated from a relationship with God and you don't know how to get back in relationship with him, you don't know how to have a fresh start, you don't know how to reclaim the life that God wants for you, I'm just telling you today, he's here to offer acceptance where you are as you are, to extend grace. Neither do I condemn you. Nobody in this room can condemn you because we are all sinners in need of God's grace. The only one who could throw a stone at you is Jesus. And he doesn't condemn you either. And he's just inviting you today to go and sin no more, to live and walk in relationship with him where you become everything that he wants you to be. And so this morning, what I wanna invite you to do is just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want everyone just to take a moment to just kind of take an assessment of where you are and, and specifically where you are with God today. Because there's some people in this room today or, or joining us online right now and you're in a situation where you know if, if you were brought in front of a crowd, you'd be guilty. And today you have an opportunity to be accepted by Jesus, to have grace poured out on you from Jesus himself and to be invited by Jesus to live a different life. And so if you're here today in this room, again, no one looking around right now, just this is just a moment between you and the Lord. And all I'm gonna ask you to do, I promise you, I will not embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you out or invite you forward. I just simply want you to acknowledge that you want to become a follower of Jesus today. You want to ask him to forgive your sin, to give you grace and to change your life. And if that's you today, all I'm asking you to do right where you're at is just to raise your hand and I'm gonna just acknowledge it and pray for you. So if you're here today and you wanna accept Jesus, just raise your hand and keep it up high. Anybody here today who would raise your hand and say, I need God's grace in my life right now. Just raise it up high. I see your hand. Anybody else this morning?
you've raised your hand this morning, I just want you to pray this prayer. And you can pray it out loud or, or quietly right where you're at, but I just want you to pray with me. God, I come before you today and I acknowledge that I am caught in my sin. And today I'm hungry and thirsty for your acceptance and your grace. Lord, I want your love and I want you to change my life. Forgive me of my sin. Make me right with God again. Change my life so that I can live fully for you and help me to go from this place with the intention to sin no more because you are my Lord and you are my Savior and I give myself to you. God, I pray for this one who has raised their hand and maybe others who have prayed that prayer this morning. God, we are here in this place because we want your grace and your love and your mercy and your truth to change our lives. So God, we're thankful for the life of our sister this morning who has just raised her hand and said, I want to walk with Jesus from this point forward. So God, we give you what you're doing in this room and we just simply ask that you would be honored and glorified by how you are working in lives in this place. Lord, we love you today. We praise you today and we honor you today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Church, can we celebrate what God's doing in this place? As I mentioned earlier, if you are here and you don't have a Bible, we've got one for you. So you can visit our Welcome Center. We'd love to put one in your hands. And if you made a decision for Christ today and you want to know what are my next steps, again, you can just visit our Welcome Center. We've got some next steps that are available for you there. And we would love to begin to walk with you in this journey of faith. Now, before we send you out, and it is time for you to be sent out, uh, I'm going to invite our vice chair of our local board of administration, Bob Burke to come and he's going to just share a brief announcement and then he will give us words of sending so